the investigative judgment. This is number eight in this series. First, let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, as we contemplate in this study what is taking place within heaven's sanctuary this very moment, we are suddenly aware of our urgent need. For each of us must face the sinful record of our life. Help us to realize how utterly lost we are without the help of Jesus, who alone can cleanse us with his blood, blotting out every sin and present us sinless before God's throne. May we respond in this study with gratitude and love for God's great sanctuary plan that will get rid of our sins. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as my usual custom, I like to base everything that we study on the scripture. And so let us turn to Daniel, the seventh chapter, verses 9 and 10, which has to do with the investigative judgment. Quote, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Now with these words, the prophet in vision presents that great and solemn day when the characters and the lives of men pass in review before the judge of all earth. And every man will be rendered according to his works. But the prophet continues with more, for he tells us that Christ is also there to represent the life of each faithful disciple. I continue to read with verse 13. I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. Ellen White describes this in detail in that wonderful book, The Great Controversy, page 480. I read, The coming of Christ here described 
is not his second coming to the earth. He comes to the Ancient of Days in heaven to receive dominion and glory and a kingdom which will be given him at the close of his work as a mediator. It is this coming and not his second advent to the earth that was foretold in the prophecy to take place at the termination of the 2300 days in 1844. Attended by heavenly angels, our great high priest enters the Holy of Holies and there appears in the presence of God to engage in the last acts of his ministration in behalf of man to perform the works of investigative judgment and to make an atonement for all who are shown to be entitled to its benefits." Unquote. You know, it's amazing, but the vast majority living in our world today know nothing about what is taking place within heaven's sanctuary where decisions are being made that will affect their lives forever. These worldlings are perplexed and filled with anxiety. They are aware of a soon coming millennium and they have been taught to expect Christ to come and establish a earthly kingdom bringing peace and prosperity. They are resting in the false hope of the second of the secret rapture theory which they believe will give them all a second chance. But to us Seventh-day Adventists, God has given to us the Bible and the spirit of prophecy by which we know that the second coming catastrophic events will climax the investigative judgment that began in 1844 and will soon close when God declares, and I'm reading Revelation 22, 11, and 12, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Such a dramatic climax is possible because Christ has finished his mediatorial work within heaven's sanctuary, and every man's character has been judged. Of this we read in Great Controversy 428, this work of examination of character, of determining who are prepared for the kingdom of God, is that of the investigative judgment, the closing work in the sanctuary above.
this investigative judgment concerns all who have ever lived and died on earth who professed a faith in Christ. When this work is soon completed, Heaven's sanctuary will then focus on those who are now living upon this earth. Let me continue to read from page 490. Soon. None know how soon it will pass to the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God, our lives are to come up in review, unquote. I know you will agree with me that one's heart trembles at the thought of God seeing what is in our book of records. For we read in Great Controversy 482, every man's work passes in review before God and is registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name in the book of heaven is entered with terrible exactness. Every wrong word, every selfish act, every unfulfilled duty, every secret sin, with every artful dissembling. Heaven sent warnings or reproofs neglected wasted moments, unimproved opportunities, the influence exerted for good or evil with its far-reaching results, all are chronicled by the recording angel." Unquote. What a shameful record we must face. But praise the name of the Lord, we find in the Holy Scriptures that he will appear before the Father as our advocate and plead our case. Listen to this, 1 John 2, 1, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And now notice how clearly this is stated in Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Don't you like that? And then reading on to Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore? He is able also to save them to the uttermost. Isn't that wonderful? Save to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Oh, what a Savior. Friend, he's alive today, and he's up there in the sanctuary to help us. So take courage. What a wonderful Savior. Just to know that he is there somehow gives one that blessed hope. 
For in the book Great Controversy 483, we find out how serious the situation is. Quote, As the books of record are opened in the judgment, and the lives of all who have believed in Jesus come in review before God, beginning with those who first lived upon the earth, our advocate presents the cases of each successive generation and closes with the living. Every name is mentioned, every case closely investigated, names are accepted, names rejected. When any have sins remaining upon the books of record, unrepented and unforgiven, their names will be blotted out of the book of life, and the record of their good deeds will be erased from the book of God's remembrance." Unquote. But then, there is this other wonderful side of hope for all who have truly repented of sins and by faith claim the blood of Christ as their atoning sacrifice, have had pardon entered against their names in the books of heaven, as they have become partakers of the righteousness of Christ, and their characters are found to be in harmony with the law of God. Their sins will be blotted out and they themselves will be accounted worthy of eternal life. What a Savior. Oh, how precious are these promises found in Isaiah 43:25. The Lord declares by his prophet Isaiah, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. Can't you say just praise the Lord? And then we read in Revelation 3, 5, where Jesus says that he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how solemn the thought. In Great Controversy 490, when the work of investigative judgment closes, the destiny of all will have been decided for life or death. Probation is ended a short time before the appearing of the Lord in the clouds of heaven. And as for the disobedient, there will be no time given for a second chance. No secret rapture. For the wicked have made their final decision. In Christ Object Lessons, page 123, there is no probation after the judgment. 
the destiny of each class is forever fixed, unquote. Now, since all the righteous, both dead and living, have been judged and found acceptable to God, but what about the wicked dead and the living? When will they receive their sentence of judgment? Reading again from Great Controversy 660. During the thousand years, between the first and the second resurrection, the judgment of the wicked takes place, unquote. And so you see, this is in keeping with the word of God as found in the book of Revelation, where it describes what is to take place during the thousand years that follow. I'm reading Revelation 24. I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. But we must never overlook this fact, that the judgment of both the righteous and the wicked is determined by God's eternal law. This is why we are told in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. And the Apostle James also admonishes us in James 2.12, when he said, So speak ye, and so do, that they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And so as Christians, let us never forget what we read in Great Controversy 482. The law of God is the standard by which the characters and the life of men will be tested in the judgment. And then I found this amazing statement in Gospel Workers, page 315. Listen. The only question asked in the judgment will be, have they been obedient to my commandments? That's something we ought to always keep in our mind. How grateful we should be to God that through the enabling grace of Jesus, every man, woman, and child can obey God's law. Now, let us plunge a little deeper into our subject. It should be noted that the investigative judgment is announced by the first angel's message in Revelation 14, 6, and 7. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. 
The investigative judgment began in the year 1844 to examine all the professed believers to determine if they were faithful. We know that the time will come when the living professed Christians must also face a judgment. For this must take place before the seven last plagues fall. You read this in Testimonies to Ministers, page 446. The battles of God's wrath cannot be poured out to destroy the wicked and their works until all the people of God have been judged and the cases of the living, notice that, the cases of the living as well as the dead are decided, unquote. Now this following statement indicates that the investigative judgment of the living takes place when the National Sunday Law is enacted. Testimonies 5, page 525. When the decree shall go forth requiring all to worship the beast and his image, at such a time as this, the great work of judging the living is to begin." Unquote. And so, friend, this is a solemn, yet a wonderful time to be alive. For the judgment of the living, the character will determine whether we shall receive the seal of God and our names retained in the book of life, or we shall receive the mark of eternal separation. In the book Testimonies to Ministers 234 are these words. The time of the judgment is a most solemn period when the Lord gathers his own from among the tares. Those who have been members of the same family are separated. Isn't that a sad statement? I continue. A mark is placed upon the righteous. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Those who have been obedient to God's commandments will unite with the company of the saints in light. They shall enter in through the gates into the city and have right to the tree of life. The one shall be taken. His name shall stand in the book of life while those with whom he associated shall have the mark of eternal separation from God. Unquote. Let me pause here to find out how the investigative judgment meshes in with the sealing process. It stands to reason that a person's probation must end before either the seal or the mark occurs. In the year 1844, when the investigative judgment began, it dealt only with the dead whose probation had closed. But 
when the National Sunday Law is enacted, the living must make an eternal choice between Sunday-keeping or Sabbath-keeping. Immediately the judgment directs the sealing process or the verdict to receive the mark. Here again we should note you will not find one place in the Bible or in the spirit of prophecy that indicates that once the person receives the seal or the mark that they could possibly change it in any way. For once an individual receives the mark or the seal, it is for keeps. It's permanent. It's for eternity. This sealing is a marking process and cannot take place until the Sunday law is enacted. And then it can only be placed upon individuals as they understand the issue and make a decision. This is where the loud cry will hasten the process, for the faithful will have been sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit, making a mighty impact upon everyone they contact. And at this same time, we must remember that those who have yielded to Satan will present the wonders of Satan's power. It will be at this time that the lifelong character traits will produce a quick decision. But as a servant of God, I must also tell you and reveal that the investigative judgment is far more than just a response to a Sunday law. For I read that we shall be judged by how we respond to all truth. In the book Last Day Events, page 217, some will have less light than others, but each one will be judged according to the light received. Isn't it interesting? Here again, we are given a word picture of the kind of God we worship. He's so loving, so merciful, such a just judge of whom we will agree he is fair and honest. Personally, I just must state that I'm proud of my God and I never question his decision. Consider this. Found in the last day events, page 216, many who have not had the privileges that we have will go into heaven before those who have had great light and who have not walked in it. Many have lived up to the best light they have had and will be judged accordingly, unquote. Isn't that wonderful? That's the kind of a God we have. And furthermore, in the book Great Controversy 605, everyone is to have sufficient light to make his decision intelligently. 
And once again I read in Bible Commentary 5, 1145, None will be condemned for not heeding light and knowledge that they never had and they could not obtain. Isn't that fair? On the other hand, what about those who willingly reject light? Let me tell you about a woman to whom my wife and I were giving Bible studies. As we studied together, I discovered that she was all mixed up on the doctrine of salvation. So I tactfully suggested that we read several scriptures which I felt would help her to see the truth. Immediately she spoke words I shall never forget. For she repeated, Don't tell me or read such from the Bible, for I don't want to change the way I believe. If you tell me, then I'll be responsible. Let me tell you, God has an answer for such individuals in Bible Commentary 5, page 1145. Those who have an opportunity to hear the truth and yet take no pains to hear or understand it, thinking that if they do not hear they will not be accountable, will be judged guilty before God, the same as if they had heard and rejected. There will be no excuse for those who choose to go in error when they might understand what is truth. In his sufferings and death, Jesus had made atonement for all sins of ignorance, but there is no provision made for willful blindness. We shall not be held accountable for the light that had not reached our perception, but for that which we have resisted and refused. A man could not apprehend the truth which had never been presented to him, and therefore could not be condemned for light he had never had. Then there is another aspect of the investigative judgment that few have ever thought of, for practical benevolence will also have a part. Testimonies to Ministers, page 400. The decisions of the last day turn upon our practical benevolence. Christ acknowledges every act of beneficence as done to himself." Unquote. In the Desire of Ages, page 637, when the nations are gathered before him, there will be but two classes, and their eternal destiny will be determined by what they have done or have neglected to do for him in the person of the poor and suffering. How surprised and gladdened will be the lowly among the nations and among the heathen to hear from the lips of the Savior 
inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. How glad will be the heart of infinite love as his followers look up with surprise and joy at his words of approval. And our God will also view the motive in such benevolence. You see, with God, it's the unselfish acts for others and their need that really count. For in the last day events, page 219, are these words. In the day of judgment, some will plead their good deed and that as a reason why they should receive consideration. They will say, I set up young men in business. I gave money to found a hospital. I relieved the necessities of the widows. I took the poor into my home. Yes, but your motives were so defiled by selfishness that the deed was not acceptable in the sight of the Lord. In all that you did, self was brought prominently to view." Unquote. Now, let us consider the thoughts about an astounding truth concerning the blotting out of our sins. In the book of Acts, we read, Acts 3, 19 and 20, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Now did you notice the order of events? First, the sins are blotted out. Then comes a time of refreshing, and this is followed by the second coming. Now this is brought out very clearly in the Great Controversy, page 485. The Apostle Peter distinctly states that the sins of believers will be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ." Unquote. Then I found in the 1880 edition of the Great Controversy, <clears throat> there is a bracketed comment that shows the close connection between the blotting out of our sins and the investigative judgment. Let me read this to you from Great Controversy 611, 1888 edition. Quote, Repent ye therefore, <clears throat> and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out in the investigative judgment, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus. Acts 3, 19 and 20. And... So what actually happens in the blotting out of our sins? The sins are blotted out of heaven's record. 
in the great controversy 483. Their sins will be blotted out, and they themselves will be accounted worthy of eternal life. This is what makes possible the wonderful plan of salvation. For in Great Controversy 484, I read, Satan in his efforts to deceive and tempt our race had thought to frustrate the divine plan in man's creation. But Christ now asks that this plan be carried into effect as if man had never fallen. Did you get that? He asks for his people not only pardon and justification, full and complete, but a share in his glory and a seat upon his throne. You know, that's almost unbelievable. Praise God. And now hear this. Not only will our sins be blotted out from God's record book, but wonder of wonders, our sins will be blotted out of God's memory. Yes, you heard me correctly. Our sins will be blotted out of God's memory. In the book Great Controversy 484, thus will be realized the complete fulfillment of the new covenant promise. I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for and shall not be found, and the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. Jeremiah 31, 34, 50 and 20. Since God will never recall our sins, I believe that we too shall never remember our sins in heaven. Praise the Lord. Volume 5, page 472 to 475, I read Zechariah's vision of Joshua and the angel applies with particular force to the experience of God's people in the closing up of the great day of atonement. As the people of God afflict their souls before him, pleading for purity of heart, the command is given, take away the filthy garments from them. And the encouraging words are spoken, behold, I have caused their iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. The spotless robe of Christ's righteousness is placed upon the tried and tempted, yet faithful children of God. The despised remnant are clothed in glorious apparel, never more to be defiled by the corruption of the world. Their names are retained in the Lamb's Book of Life, enrolled among the faithful of all ages. They have resisted the wiles of the deceiver. 
they have not been turned from their loyalty by the dragon's roar. Now they are eternally secure from the tempter's devices. Their sins are transferred to the originator of sin, and the remnant are not only pardoned and accepted, but honored. A fair mitre is set upon their heads. They are to be as kings and priests unto God. While Satan was urging this, his accusation and seeking to destroy this company, holy angels, unseen, were passing to and fro, placing upon them the seal of the living God. Unquote. And so, as we close this study, may I summarize our few findings first? Zechariah's vision applies to the closing up of the great day of atonement. 5 Testimony, page 472. Second, during this time the National Sunday Law is enacted. 5T, page 472, quote, All will be required to render obedience to human edicts in violation of the divine law. Those who will be true to God and duty will be menaced, denounced, and proscribed, unquote. Third, during this dreadful experience, the righteous must depend totally upon Jesus for he is their only advocate. Testimony 5, page 473. Their only hope is in the mercy of God. Their only defense will be prayer, unquote. And finally, number four, it is now that the sealing occurs as our sins are blotted out and the command is given, retain their names, in the book of life, for they are thoroughly cleansed. Their iniquity is all gone. Even their sins are remembered no more. Such are never to be defiled again. Their eternity is secure. They have been sealed. And so, we should now be living in a spirit of continual praise for such a matchless Savior who has made possible eternal life to we who were sinners. Let us pray. As we have contemplated thy wonderful plan of salvation, help us now, Lord, to so live day by day that when the investigative judgment comes to our name, we may be found to have prepared for this time by thy divine power of divinity, ready for every sin to be blotted out, ready to be sealed for eternity. Amen. Die.
Savior is mine.